Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome to another awesome ITAM Review Podcast. This is in the run-up to our Wisdom EMEA online conference. And joining me today, we've got quite the lineup. One could say the, the creme de la creme of the ITAM industry. So today we have got Matt Fisher from SHI. We've got Mikel Hessner from Flexera. Damien Juillard from LA. Josh Warren from Origina. Michael Villain from Relicense. Lena Martins from Prio. And Victoria Barber from Snow Software. So thank you all, everyone. Thanks for joining me. Welcome. To be here. And what we're going to be looking at today is uh, kind of what does coronavirus mean for ITAM? You know, what are the immediate impacts, but also the kind of long term, what does it mean for, for the industry, for the individuals, for businesses? So, you know, we've got a great mix across the attendees today. You know, we've got tools, resellers, analysts, third-party support, cloud, uh, pre-owned software, so we can really touch on I think, every area of, uh, certainly on the software side today. So really, I think first things first, it'd be interesting to get an idea from, from you, what changes you've seen already happen. So, you know, with you talking to, to customers, to partners, etc what have you seen, you know, what's different now than was happening in January? I'm happy to kick that one off if you like, Rich. And, and I think that the most immediate impact that we've seen is that there was a rush to buy IT equipment in March and April. And organizations were literally buying whatever they could get their hands on. So any sort of gold standard devices or you know, particular manufacturers or statuses of machines that organizations previously would have insisted on buying, that all went out the window in March and April. And machines, some of them were being pre-imaged and pre-configured, but a lot weren't. They were just being shipped in any which way they could be shipped. And so I think you're seeing two main things happening with, uh, with the devices being used by employees now. One is that they may not have the normal build that most organizations would have. So they may not have any ITAM clients on them, for example. Uh, and the second is you're probably going to see a lot of Chromebooks, iPads, other types of devices, tablet devices that were provisioned as an emergency measure but people are going to get used to using them and they're going to want to continue using them. So if you're an ITAM manager thinking that all you need to worry about are servers and Windows PCs, I think you really need to think again. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, looking at the retail numbers for IT kit um, over the last few weeks has been interesting as well. So people have obviously been buying their own, buying stuff through retail channels to enable them to work from home. Some of it may be due to, to homeschooling, but it's interesting 
looking at US numbers, I had some data from the, the week of the 25th of April. PC sales were, had a week-on-week -week increase of 62%, and they'd been up 53% the week before. Printers were up around about the same amount. Mesh routers had a week-on-week -week rise of 60% for the sixth consecutive week. And then things like range extenders and monitors and headphones and tablets and accessories were in the sort of 70s to 200% increases. So people have been kitting out their homes for working from home. And, and that leads us to a problem of we don't know what people are using and how they're using it. Um, we don't, you know, we've, we've got a real problem that we've got a lot more stuff to work with. Plus there's obviously security issues as well. I think these are really, really good uh, aspects to kick off with. And I think there's an additional aspect I wanted to introduce, which is most of the people who are now working from home, you know, they didn't go out and buy their first computer. So there's a massive shadow number, even within this half shadow number of essentially bring your own device, which was unsanctioned, unplanned, just happened because if there's anything I've learned from 20 plus years in this industry is that people will get their job done to the best of their ability and they will get it done irrespective of policy, uh, whether security or not. So if they have had any chance of getting access to the resources they would need, they would do so from the existing home computer. And I think we can add that massive challenge to the numbers that, that Matt and Victoria just shared. And then obviously, uh, we, we, can, we can do some deduction based on those numbers to say what additional software packages, uh, how many people are, are using the, the, uh, the office package of their, you know, provided by their kids' schools and whatnot. So the security aspects, the data protection, residency aspects of this is a challenge that is, is massive and that I think ITAM potentially can play a very important role in addressing on the other side of this thing, whatever that looks like. <laughs> There's yeah. sort of two things that are coming out of what you've just said, Mikkel, which is that um, you've got potentially, if we just look at the UK alone, you've got potentially 3 million people who were historically office-based who do not expect to be office-based again. About 10% increase in remote working is the, the sort of the common theme as to, to how many people won't go back into an office after all of this so an extra three million people just in the uk alone those devices if your itam program is predicated on those devices connecting on a very permanent or frequent basis to the corporate network your itam program is probably already out of date your technology is outdated the second part and this goes back to 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 michael's point is that obviously software use has changed and a lot of adoption was done quickly in emergency style, and it was done on SaaS applications. I haven't seen the figures myself. I'm sure some others on the call have, but I expect we've seen an explosion in SaaS consumption in the last uh, three months. And my experience of talking to, to ITAM managers is that there's still quite a few of them who were quite resistant to adding SaaS software to their sort of portfolio, if you like. So I think this is going to force the hand of a lot of ITAM and SAM managers out there. Yes, absolutely. Uh, in, in terms of uh, uh, software usage, uh, there will be a, a change between uh, uh, what uh, people may have had in mind 
especially the the on-prem legacy software that were the for some companies the the reference uh, and now what uh, people expect to use uh, a quick example when you're a very large company and you you want uh, to be connected all together at the same time through your vpn connection well very often uh, you, you 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 may see that your customer does not uh, do not uh, activate their webcam just because in terms of bandwidth it's a nightmare so it's such a quick example to to say that networks are getting uh, more and more uh, are struggling and uh, going to SaaS is another way to uh, to to have a, a better use of software now uh, one of the things that uh, was really surprising is of course the uh, the collaboration tools and the the, the Microsoft Teams adoption curve for the past three months. Wow, that's just ex extraordinary for, for, for them in terms of adoption. And uh, I've heard a lot of, uh, of customers uh, saying, whoa, uh, Teams works very fine. Zoom works very fine. Well, actually, it has been working very fine for the past three years, but you were just not using it. So now you're, you have to use it. And well, you, 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 it turns out that you, uh that reveals that uh, it works fine and you can work in remote office so definitely there will be changes yeah and then you know there are challenges and everyone touched on this a little bit how do we govern and control these things that are out there I mean, we've got people acquiring uh laptops from local stores because maybe the company can't get it to them and now it's not the corporate image and you know how are we going to handle personal devices and security all those things i think you touched on they are, you know, IT asset managers are faced with those challenges. I, I think this also creates an opportunity for them to move boldly within the organization, um, challenging the way things have been. Because I think this kind of stuff bubble, you know, processes bubble to the top that may we have, maybe we have an opportunity to change those. Um, I know uh, organizations are leaning and relying on vendors for assistance, you know, in light of the circumstances where it's financial or what value can you provide me? I also think, you know, companies will learn through this who their valuable partners are and it will be a positive outcome. It's, it's interesting. I think just building on what you're saying there, if we look for the silver lining for the ITAM community, this, the, I think the silver lining is that we are probably more critical to the organization's success than, than possibly ever before. My take on the current situation is that there's very few organizations that are going to come out of this unchanged in some way or another. You know, there's, there's not many Amazons out there that were perfectly situated for this sort of eventuality. Um, most organizations are predicting a sort of a downturn in their revenues of 20% or even more in a lot of cases. And that means that the, the leaderships of these organizations are going to go to their sort of departmental leaderships, ITAM included, and, go, and they're going to say, save me money, find cost savings. And I think they're going to express that in potentially three ways. One is hard and fast cost savings. What can I cut today that will make a tangible difference to my bottom line? The second is, okay, if I've got to spend money, make sure that I'm doing that as a effectively as I can? Can I trim contracts? Can I renegotiate my support agreements? Can I do things that will not necessarily have a massive impact on my bottom line, but they'll certainly put me in a healthier position. And the third is where I absolutely have to spend that money, prove to me that I absolutely have to spend that money and that it's delivering value to the organization. All three of those things are 
if you, if you want to be hard hard about it, there are things that ITAM should have already been doing. But if your organization wasn't using ITAM for those three outcomes, I think it soon has to, if it wants to really survive. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It, it, we've tended to focus on the cost cutting part of cost optimization in the past. We've talked about cutting costs, we've talked about cost avoidance, but we really haven't had properly had that conversation about value in relation to cost. Um, I think you know people have tried to have it on occasions, but they've just been focused on the cost numbers, not on what is the value that this actually provides to the organization. So it's not being give, actually giving the right results for the business. And I think that one of the things that people in ITAM really need to do is stop thinking about you know, this is the best practice and we have to be focused on licensing, on the hardware assets, on audits, on cost cutting and, and license compliance and those things we've traditionally looked at. But actually turn around to the business and say, what do you need? What are you trying to achieve? And then show that the data that asset managers have can work for them because we can do a lot more with the information we've got but a lot of asset managers are really buried deep in IT operations and so disconnected from their business that to be honest I think they'd be pushed some of them to tell you what their business is actually doing and what their objectives and their mission are and I think that is a massive failing but also the opportunity that we have right now. I would I totally agree and uh, one of the points that I'd marked down for today was I think there's a kind of phase one and a phase two you know, at least for, for ITAM managers I think there's a an immediate need for cost cutting and you know right now it's it's more you know how can I make my expenditure smaller tomorrow or next week and you know what can I do there and then maybe you know once you've done as much of that as you can then it's time for right, you know, what more strategic things can we do? Um, and, and I think, you know, we've got between us today, I think, you know, Michael and, and Lena on the, on the pre-owned software side, um, I mean, I, I think they're probably going to see a, a busy time uh, for, for the rest of 2020. And I think, you know, uh, Origina with the third party support side as well. So I was just wondering, in this kind of immediate cost cutting, uh, you know, Michael and or Lennart, you know, do you do you have a view on uh, on how quickly pre-owned software can make a difference? Well, I think uh, coming back to the to the comments about how well Teams works, I mean, there's no doubt that that technology works very well. Uh, the thing is just that the cost for a lot of Microsoft technology is rather big. And, uh, and of course, a lot of companies are struggling with the fact that they, if they want to go to subscriptions, I mean, doing the calculations, they end up paying three or four times what they did on their old perpetual licensing. So what we're trying to say right now, and what we are seeing is we are saying, well, mix and match the things in what we call a solution. And you really start looking at your users and says, who really needs the full, full Mountie and who can actually live with uh, still having a teams but what in microsoft terms on an e1 plan and then maybe have a pre-owned part of software office uh, uh, installed on the desktop instead uh, of having uh, office 365 and uh, that's what we see i mean we can just to give you an example i mean 
you can go out and buy Office 365 or Office 2019. You can buy an Office 2019 as pre-owned as well, and you can immediately save 50% of the cost. And um, people, are, people haven't used that before. not aware of that. Many, or they think, oh, no, this is something for. But I'm sure we see that because, of course, you can have the same solution, but you just have a a different way to actually set up your infrastructure. And um, yeah, we, um, of course, we see two things. We, we will see a lot of companies go bankrupt. That means we can buy some licensing from them. We see a lot of companies making questions on, hey, where, where, where do we take this to the next level? Because we are we're really struggling with the fact that the cost we have on, on, on a lot of things, uh, and, uh, I have never seen Microsoft reduces their prices, right? So, um, and I doubt that they will do that. So I think, uh, yeah, we, uh, we are foreseeing a lot of uptake on this one because, uh, yeah, uh, in these tough times, people tend to say, okay, how can I actually cost? And most of the cases we can cut costs with 30 to 50%. And it's not that they're ending up with something that is uh, old fashioned or anything like that, right? So um, I think, uh, yeah, I think we, um, and secondly, we see a big uptake on, on the Windows 7. Uh, I mean, because 35% of all Windows is still Windows 7. And they went out of life uh, in, in January. Uh, but there's still a lot of companies that hasn't really figured out what do we do with that. But, I mean, you don't get security or anything to these products anymore. So, um, I mean, now uh, we will start to see that uh, picking up as well. Because, hey, people have not really paid attention to this one, right? So... That's another area where we can say, well, you can still Windows 10 pre-owned and save between 50% of a new cost, right? So, um, yeah, I would say that we um, we have seen a uptake in Ask uh, uh, last two months. So just, yeah, picking up on, on Michael's point, and in fact, one Victoria made as well, I think they both made uh, interesting observations. Quickly, just on that bankruptcy thing, there are a lot of companies who are about to become quite lucrative acquisition targets for those that have deeper pockets, better cash reserves. So M&A activity, I think we're definitely going to see a rise in that in the next 12 to 24 months. I think everyone on this call and everyone listening knows the importance of IT asset management and software asset management in the M&A activity. It can really determine the success or failure of that kind of business transaction. Mm -hmm. The other point made was about how the vendors re react. And um, I think it was Victoria said, we've been trying to shift away from compliance as a focus for Sam for donkey's years. Bad news, guys. Audits are coming back and they're coming back big style. So whether it's September, October, November, my money is on by the end of the year, we'll see a resurgence in audit activity from the major vendors. So as much as we talk about trying to get rid of compliance as a focus for Sam, I think we're actually going to see it as a really important focus for the next sort of two years or so. So, so do you think the vendors didn't learn from their behavior back after the banking crash then? When I think, this, I think that is what Max says, and, and I agree. I think, I think the pressures on vendors on, on finding other revenue sources, mm -hmm. because they're impacted as well, generically speaking, will lead them back to the bad habits. That's but, but, what I, and what was really more interesting from my perspective is one of the longer term uh, pressures in the industry, because that will, that will set off a wave 
that is exacerbating the, the move to SaaS that we already experience. It will put tremendous pressure on vendors across the board for having more flexibility in our agreements. This will be the reference scenario for every procurement discussion in the future where we say, this is how much you want to buy and commit for the next five years. Then they're going to go, are you mad? Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about the need to remove risk from, from the vendor relationship. And certainly vendor risk management is getting a, a lot more interest at the moment. And people are going to be looking for much shorter term contracts, much more flexibility and being able to get out of their contracts, hopefully with SaaS contracts, remembering to put in the bit about them getting their data back, um, which sometimes people forget. But, you know, the, in the last time this happened, the last time we had had when we had the banking crisis and the vendors all went, what, you mean you don't want all this stuff? You don't need it because your organization struck, well, bad luck, you've got to pay and we're going to audit. Some of those, the companies they went into simply couldn't afford it. And that's what drove them mm. under. I can't believe that the vendors are going to be stupid enough to make the same mistake and push some of these, some of their customers over the edge. It's you know, surely this is the time when when the vendors should be looking to say, yeah, we claim to be partners and should be acting like partners to help the their customers recover from this and grow rather than saying, yeah, but you signed that contract. So you've got to pay us now, even if you haven't got the, the money in the bank. While I agree, Victoria, I think it will be a, a mixed bag of, of bonbons. I think we'll see uh, both the 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 longest sighted vendors and we'll see some who are by nature or, or by or forced by by circumstance will be a bit more mercenary about it. I, I think I think it will be a mix and I, I agree with Matt that ITAM teams will be extremely busy, which I'm ex you know for one specific reason mostly concerned about because more than ever at this time, the ITAM management, you know, the, 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 the heads of ITAM really need to do some strategic thinking in explaining to their businesses why they invested in them in the first place, what they have produced that took them through this period in better shape than the alternative, and potentially be, be a bit more cheeky and say, if you had given me that additional budget two years ago, I would have two additional guys and we, we would have been able to optimize XYZ more. And, and there will be a whole range of short, medium term optimizations for them to do. So a big part of organizations will have a number of furlough personnel, laid off personnel, uh, contractors, Nexon consultants no longer working on their HR roster. All of that is immediately identifiable license waste or item waste, uh, which leads back to the way we do contracts, et cetera. So the whole dynamics of item teams to procurement teams to management, the line of business and finance in articulating what is our value. You know, I, I have never been through a period of a, a, a more perfect storm for item to explain why they are there. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I was headed. I mean, I think in the third party, support market you know we're it, you know you can you can move your support to us and, and quickly save money but the real issue is it's not that simple you know you've got technologies that have been critical to the organization for a long time 
you're hitting on what I would, what I challenge IT asset managers and IT business leaders is what, what is the innovation or what is the roadmap of this particular product? I'm not talking about the vendor. All the vendors are innovating their products, but they also have a lot of products mm-hmm. in these vendors. What particular thing in this product keeps you with the product and what is the strategic vision of it? And by the way, you have a digital transformation going on. How does this fit into that? And seeing it as um, from a third party perspective, there are other third party firms that support enterprise software just like us. They're talking the same things. You know, how can we be a partner in bridging you to that digital transformation, but get there quicker and not you know, potentially continue to perpetuate a solution that's costly that isn't really giving you back anything in value? We've talked historically, and yeah, Victoria and I have both stood on both the same and different stages talking about the need for ITAM to be aligned with business goals, strategic business goals. And I think that unfortunately for a lot of organization, that's been lip service as opposed to a meaningful conversation. The only way this works going forward is for that to become a meaningful conversation. ITAM is a, is a really strong enabler, but it probably doesn't have the seat of the table that it needs to have today. It isn't front of mind. So there, there, there needs to be this rapport between the business leadership and the ITAM leadership so that the two become ingrained and ITAM can really deliver its true yeah. value to the organization. I mean, I think one of the ways to to engage in that conversation now I and mean, as Matt says you know we we've said that it it needs to be had but it still isn't really happening we still keep on going back to the to the familiar and the relatively easy um, but I think one of the, the opportunities we have now is to actually turn around and say look nobody knows what's going to happen I mean you know anybody who's doing anything looking at at predicting what's happening in the future has changed their time scales from five, 10 years out to maybe six weeks. Most of us aren't looking much further ahead than that in, in anything at work in our personal lives because we don't know what's happening. But what we can do with the data we've got in ITAM, assuming the ITAM team isn't furloughed, which is a fairly big assumption to make at the moment, is to say, look, we can model some scenarios for you. So if you as the board, if you as finance, if you as a line of business leader are looking at different scenarios, which they will be because they've got to have a lot of options on the table right now, we can provide the data to help you to flesh out those scenarios. So you've got some really good solid facts and figures behind it. So regardless of what your decisions are, you're making them based on on good quality accurate, up-to-date data. And I think, you know, being in a position to be part of that decision-making process by providing that information, that's really going to demonstrate value. And it's going to demonstrate value at that business level, at a place that gets intention around something positive rather than the unpleasant experience of an audit where you might come out of it really well, but it was still an audit. It still wasn't fun and you're still associated with something negative. So I think, you know, we need to look at how we can turn our data towards helping our businesses get out of this and not just in the cost cutting, but also in looking at where the opportunities are um, to, you know, I mean, accelerate digital transformation, for example, digital transformation budgets are currently being protected when other things aren't. Um, So there's a lot of opportunity there if we take a different perspective on it. 
I think that's a really, really good point, Victoria. And, and uh, in, in our recent uh, 2020 State of the Cloud report, uh, we actually had a chance because of the COVID outbreak and, and, uh, and, and lockdowns around the world to introduce that additional question. And what was indicated uh, in the responses we got there was that by a, a, a wide margin above 60%, the respondents believed that their cloud uptake would you know, accelerate even beyond what they had already planned. And cloud is a good example. So not SaaS, but, but uh, uh, public hyperscalers, public cloud hyperscalers is in most instances, based on the same respondents in the report, not something managed by the SAM team for many reasons. So this will be a huge chunk of additional cost that underpins the exact thing you mentioned, Victoria, on digital transformation, where again, the ITAM teams will be sort of left on the, in, in, in the dust of the, the, the business moving forward. And, and that is probably one of the biggest changes I see uh, for, for ITAM in the future, that the teams that can start speaking with the business on their terms will get more importance, more resources, and be integrated into more, call it lines of, of, of service internally, while the ones that try to approach uh, ITEM in the old way, they will be overtaken, they will be uh, essentially outsourced. Uh, that would be my longer term forecast. I think it's a really good point. And I think that converse, you know, it sounds a bit perverse that we're talking about organizations that are having to, to cut, cut, cut a lot of costs. Yeah, I'm about to give an argument as to why they should invest. So bear with me for a second. But ITAM is one of those areas where investment is needed because of the savings and the optimization that it can drive. The ROI should be very strong. But as, as Mikhail has just said, the, the environment is changing, right? The, the use of SaaS software, the use of public cloud, the use of private cloud, the use of hybrid cloud, you know, it's not the IT environment that most organizations were dealing with uh, three, four, five years ago when they made their current sort of tools choice or service provider choice or what have you. Where am I going with this is, is the ITAM team within the organization skilled up to address the issues that are facing the organization today? You know, we always talk about ITAM and SAM as being people, process and technology, right? And it is all of those things. Have you got the right people? Have those people got the right skills? Have you established the right processes? And have you got the technology foundation to support you in, in those goals? If any one of those three isn't right for the environment and the situation that you find yourself in today, you don't really have much choice but to invest in making them right. Otherwise, you won't be able to support those business goals that we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, d definitely. I, I think... It's finding the balance, isn't it, between that initial let's not spend anything. That's you know that's the way to save money, and then that you know you've got to spend money to save money in in this regard. Um, so I'm just wondering, Lena and Damian, is there anything? Is it different in on the continent? You know, a lot of this is UK based. Are you seeing anything different or? anything particularly the same you know in your respective markets oh so very quickly in france i think it, it's the same than what you have uh, what you have mentioned uh definitely for the past few weeks 
our customers kept on saying saving, 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 savings everywhere. So the first thing they have in mind is now to uh, make sure they cut the cost everywhere they can. That's the first step, I would say, to this, uh, uh, to this crisis. Uh, that's the role that their managements are uh, asking them to play. And uh, of course, that's what they are doing right now. Uh, that may last uh, for a couple of weeks or months, but for sure, uh, in my opinion, they should, uh, they should be a player tomorrow of this new situation and not only a follower. Uh, when you are trying to cut the cost, uh, it's because the business uh, is, is maybe uh, uh, slowing down. Uh, what can you do to help your business? That's definitely where the item should focus on. Uh, that's what you have said. Uh, you guys before uh, I'm thinking about new technologies that they they are really I would say um, uh, legitimate to talk about to uh, to explain within their company uh, let's talk about RPA for example RPA will be tomorrow a matter to optimize the cost in terms of uh, of processes everywhere in uh, in all the businesses of, of their company uh, they can introduce an uh, in uh, expand the RPA use within their company. Uh, of course, in terms of uh, cloud as well, uh, they can uh, modelize the, the, the savings they can make with cloud, but not only the savings, the time to market. Uh, cloud is not only a matter of making savings, it's also a matter of being uh, uh, faster when you want to propose a new product in the market. So there are plenty of uh, uh, fields where ITAM manager can really play a new role, a good role tomorrow. First, they will be cutting the cost. Tomorrow, they should not be still, they should be moving on and playing uh, that role for their for their businesses. Absolutely. I like the I like the sound of that. Um yeah, that kind of two-phase approach. Um Lena, have you um have you seen anything along those lines in your area? Yeah, actually, um, I noticed that quite a lot of um, IT executives, um, especially from enterprise clients, are now more open-minded to um, our topic. I mean, uh, pre-owned software is always good to save costs. And um, there are actually two things we usually talk about. Either sell any unused assets, like licenses they are not using anymore, or what we always um, talk about is um, if they have an E3 plan or an E5 plan, do actually all of the users need these uh, type of services? And usually there are like 40% who really need this and it's actually a high number. And the other 60% can live actually with an E1 plan for the exchange online services and stuff and with an office on premise. And then we can uh, talk about an office 2016 or 2019 and usually within the first year, they can already start saving a lot of money. And that's, uh, yeah, one of the big um, advantages of pre-owned software at the moment, especially when it comes to saving costs. Excellent. Yeah, so I, I think I'm conscious of, of time. One thing I wanted to get from, from everyone was kind of, one thing that an ITAM manager should be doing now and one thing that they should be you know, planning to do. And I think we've touched on you know, a lot of, of concepts and topics, but I just wonder if there's anything else you know, that 
that you think absolutely, you know, if you've not done this already, you know, go and do this in the morning or, or later today, depending wh where you're listening from. Um, so, so anyone that's got anything, you know, a, a definite thing, um, you know, feel free to, to join in. Also, I'll kick off. I have one very, um, I think, important one, and this goes specifically to SaaS, but since most ITEM teams are not on top of that yet, let me generalize. You know, when you get to the office, whether it's in your bedroom tomorrow, do a, you know, um, sort the list of upcoming renewals on the date. Go through that in the list of urgency based on when it happens and get with your procurement guy ASAP to see if you can take out cost. It's real money sitting there. Be prepared to find categories and be prepared to do the bluff with the vendor to say we will cancel maintenance altogether if you will not let us downgrade to the level we actually need. That is on on-prem. For SaaS, you can actually do this pretty much on a monthly basis for, for a lot of the, the suppliers. But taking out waste, I would say, is almost a moral duty in these times. When you've said goodbye to good colleagues, looking at waste that you know is there is, is unacceptable. And it's, you know, it hurts no one. It is waste. So a great point. And for, for what you can do tomorrow, ITAM managers, ITAM leaders, gather the data that you've got access to that you think is valuable mm -hmm. to the business and take it to the business. Don't wait to be asked for it. Take a proactive stance and go say to the business where you think that cost could be saved or could be optimized. And then the second one uh, for the future is, as we've all agreed on this call, technology use is going to change as a result of this situation. You need to get ahead of the curve. You need to think about where that change is going to come if it hasn't already, and you need to orient yourself in that direction. Following on from those two, I think goes back to the point I made earlier about go and find out what your business priorities are so that when you've gathered that data that Matt talks about, you actually know um, what questions you're going to need to answer, that you're going to have a relevant conversation rather than coming in telling them what you think their priorities are um, without understanding the changes your business has been through. And also, as Matt said, do keep an eye on what the technology trends are out there. We've seen a massive growth in SaaS use because of this. We've seen that although technology spend overall is predicted to fall mm. by I think about 8% this year, cloud is still expected to grow more slowly, but growing at about 10% because we have to drive that digital transformation. This has proved this to us, but we need to look at, you know, what's going to happen with things like, you know, the move to the edge. Starlink has now been launched. So low earth orbit satellite 5G are really going to be enabling more edge based um, workloads um, and the way we're working now means that there is a need for that. We need to think about how IoT is going to to impact on, on these businesses as well. Um, a lot of the things that we had predicted had were relatively far out in terms of mainstream adoption have accelerated massively. Others will be disappearing off the radar. So don't make any assumptions that anything is going to go back to normal or be any kind of normal. In fact, just don't make any assumptions at all. <laughs> Ask questions. Yes, just a minute. Good advice. 
Sorry, Rich. Sorry, Just don't make assumptions. Uh, what you said, Victoria, is definitely, the, the, unfortunately, the best way to, to look at that situation. It's difficult to talk about strategy now because, to be honest, there are too many uncertainties everywhere. So, just uh, being being focused on anticipating every kind of moves is already a, a good choice you you can make. And maybe there will not be much investment. Unfortunately, maybe there will be a strong investment on soft on some software technologies, and you need to be there to accompany your businesses. Uh, well, you need to anticipate every kind of move. Be very attentive and uh, and be there when uh, things will uh, will uh, will occur. And just real quick on the short term, so you know options you have in front of you uh, along the lines of planning. A lot of these large software content publishers they end support on products that many of you are running today and relying on, and, and will rely on into the future. And you may not know that that manufacturer is ending support, even though they've you've given them a nice chunk of money for maintenance for the year. And then you're surprised with extended support costs and maybe an upgrade costs. And now you're faced with, well, what do I do? Do I really need to upgrade? So being well out in front of when the versions of software you're running are going to end support with the manufacturers critical to managing the budget and looking at your options. You have all, you have options other than buying extended support from the manufacturer. Oh, yeah, I, th I think that, that's an important one where, you know, at the moment, maybe support isn't the thing that everyone's thinking about. But as you say, in six months or, you know, all of a sudden, you know, when your when your support's due. So I guess getting getting an understanding of it now and, and knowing what, what's coming and, and planning ahead. And I, I think like everyone said, you know, about taking the information to the business i suppose there's a good opportunity there to be able to say look you know we're spending x amount on the support across these vendors now over the next 15 months we can reduce that by you know three million or whatever it might be uh, and they can factor that into business planning you know looking at the, the cash flow now if they know that money's coming or you know won't be spent later on and um, so that's yeah, that's interesting. Um, Michael? I think you're, uh, Victoria said very well. I think taking responsibility is actually uh, what I think is the most uh, critical one, right? That the IT people should not be afraid of taking that responsibility and actually showing that they have an idea where they can actually help the business save money uh, and, and not just wait. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's what I, I will say. I mean, so. Now is that chance to shine. So uh, I think uh, uh, now is the chance for them to take that ability and then uh, show business what what can do for for them. And uh, yeah, so I think that's uh, that's the thing because uh, they they won't get a better chance than this one, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I would agree, and I think that's a a common theme that we've seen throughout this session. That you know now is the time to be active, not passive, and. You know, maybe one of the things I was thinking about the other day was, you know, should ITAM kind of keep their head down at the moment or should they make noise internally? And I think, you know, the kind of decision amongst us all here is that they should, they should make some noise. They should show what they're, what they're good at, what they're paid for, why they want more budget, etc. Um, so I think that, 
that making noise is a is a great takeaway. Um, and, and Lennart, I think you know, finally for you, anything that you would suggest people should should do? Oh, actually, it's uh, been all said. Uh, now is the time to, uh, for changes to look what you can uh, arrange with your contracts. Um, think again if you really need those type of services and if there is any possibility to save some costs and to be prepared for the next couple of years. Absolutely. And I think you're right there as well. Next, next couple of years, I think, is, you know, with, with the audit thing, I, I've got perhaps a slightly more optimistic view of the vendors in a way. You know, we were talking about them coming back to audit. I, I've said, I think it's going to be 2022 when it all kicks in. I, I think they're going to, like Victoria said, learn from 2008. They can't turn up next month or even this year, in my opinion, and audit people. So it's, you know, the next couple of years, I think you've still got to be on your on your, your, your toes as it is, you know, to, to protect against um, changes that have been made now, maybe processes weren't followed. So, yeah, I, th I think that's, that's an interesting point to end on that, you know, even though it's happening right now, we're still looking at years of impact on, on ITAM probably. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're just over, over the hour. Um, so, you know, thank you all everyone for, for joining us. It's been a fantastic conversation and I think um, some really good points for people to implement when they get back to the, to the office. Um, so, so thank you all very much. It's been a pleasure and I will look forward to one way or another, in inverted commas, seeing you all at our Wisdom Online conference next month. So thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye.